0: Welcome to week number five in our series hashtag struggles we're winding it up this week and uh, I don't know if any of you could relate to that little bumper uh, that we just showed there these are really some major struggles of technology and they're walking into polls and and things like that I'm sure none of you have ever done anything like that before that's why you're all laughing. Yeah, humor has always hit something in, uh, that's really true is what it's really all about. But as we conclude this series, it's been a great series. In fact, I'm thinking about maybe using this theme uh, maybe on an annual basis or something like that, coming back to it, uh, because I, I think we've just scratched the surface of some of these uh, uh, struggles that, that technology has really brought to us. So may revisit this again sometime next year. Uh, but, but I want to talk about just taking a chill pill. Just take a chill pill. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, my, my father used to always say, Son, take a chill pill. Take a chill pill. And I was just all excited and all revved up and everything like that. And, and I think when it comes to technology and social media, for some of us, uh, we need to just kind of dial it back and, and take a chill pill uh, b- because we're really addicted to it in a way that's not healthy not healthy at all. And so we've been talking about in this series, hashtag struggles, following Jesus in a, in a selfie-centered world. And, and I don't know about you, but when it comes to technology, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with it, uh, quite honestly. It's like you can't live without it, and it's hard to live with sometimes because it's always a distraction and Even during a message like this, I put my phone on airplane mode. Otherwise, it'd be going zzz, 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 you know, all the time. But I feel like I have to have it here. Oh, and you know why? Because of that Valley Christian Church app. So make sure that you open up your app and you can follow uh, right along there with us. By the way, we've had 810 downloads of our app in just, I think, about three months' time, which is really remarkable. And uh, it's really proven, again, to be a great tool. And so technology can be a great tool, but it can also be really... uh, abused as well, and so the way we love it, you know, uh, is obvious, but there's some ways in which sometimes we, we're actually trapped, uh, that it seems like it's not a tool so much as really it's, it's really like our master. We feel tethered to it. In fact, I like what uh, the Canadian pastor, Kerry Newhoff, said, uh, and I do a lot of reading. Uh, he's a great pastor and writes a lot. He said, like money, social media is a great servant, but a horrible master, it's a great servant, but it's a horrible master. And, and for many of us, we can't even imagine what we would do if like for two hours we couldn't find our phone. Be lost. Well, maybe I'm just talking about myself. Absolute panic and terror, I, I think. If I, if I couldn't find my phone. Now there's someone in my family that misplaces their phone with regularity, and I'm not, I'm not gonna call names or anything like that. But, but I just don't, I just don't, I see that hand. I don't, uh.
1: I just don't know how that
0: happens because I always have my within arm's distance at all times, everywhere uh, that I go. But, but I think Carrie Newhoff is really right. It's like my social media is a great servant but it's also a horrible master. And, and when we think about this struggle of really needing rest, some of us need to take a break from social media and be able to learn how to disconnect, even for like 12 hours. 12 hours, and as crazy as that sounds, I'm going to share with you some statistics in just a minute which are pretty alarming about how chained we are to social media. Now, if you've been with us, you know this series is not anti-social media at all. Uh, We use social media a lot here at Valley Christian Church. We use technology like our app, which is a great tool. But, but we need to understand that it's a tool, and we could also misuse it. It could be used for great good, but it could also be used for great harm. And one of the ways that technology and social media is harming us is for many of us, we're never disconnected. And it wears us down. And we're worn out, and yet we just can't turn off the screen for any significant amount of time. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 is kind of the, the verse that I, I want to frame this message uh, in this week. Uh, and this is what it says. Paul writes here uh, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. I won't allow anything to make me a slave. And, and I think this should be applied and can be applied and rightly applied to technology as well. I I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. I'm not going to let this master me. This is going to serve me. I'm not going to serve it. I'm not going to feel like I've I've got to always be on my phone or in front of my computer. And and so as I was studying, just put together here, uh, and I want to share with you, top seven ways to know you might be addicted to social media. Top seven ways to know that you might be addicted to social media. Now you ask, well, why'd you pick seven? Well, in the Bible, numbers mean a lot of things, but they rarely mean numbers. Seven means completion. And so this is a complete list. Not really, but also uh, seven was my number when I played football, therefore it's complete and perfect because it was the number, and it's God's number of perfection, and I tried to throw completions, and oftentimes were imperfect. But anyway, seven top ways to know you might be addicted to social media. Number seven, you plan your TBTs a week in advance. See, some of y'all laughing like, oh man, a week? I'm a month out, man. You plan your throwback TB, hashtag #TBT means throwback Thursday is what that means. Okay, you plan your TBTs a week in advance. You just might be addicted to social media. Number six, your cat has his own Instagram page. You, you might be addicted because paws don't really work good on the screen. Number five, you look forward to going to the bathroom so you can get to the level seven of your favorite game. That's a problem, folks. And let me say this. If your legs are going numb, if you're losing feeling when you're on the pot, that's a whole nother problem. That's, that's you, you know, the, get up. Get off. Stop playing. Okay? Number four, you change your Facebook profile more often than a 12-year-old girl. Seriously. That, 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 you could be addicted. You could be addicted. Number three, you sleep with your phone like a teddy bear. I'm going to give you a statistic. It's shocking how many people sleep with their phone, not by their bed, in their bed. In the bed. As in right there. Alarming. Number two, you use air hashtags, I'm sorry, like this, in real life. So you're carrying on a conversation like, hashtag, best dinner ever. That's a problem. When you're hashtagging in real life, that's a real problem. And and the number one way that you might be addicted to social media, you like your own posts to draw attention to them. Stop. Stop. I've I've seen people do that like, what? I haven't gotten enough likes. I'll like it so it hit everyone's feet again. And then I'm sure they just, I'm sure they've just been busy is what it is. You, you might be addicted if you do any one of these seven things. In fact, sociologists have a new word now. They call it nomophobia, nomophobia. And it means the fear of being away from our phone. It's actually a clinically diagnosed fear. Nomophobia, the fear of being away from our phones. In general, the population, 66% of the population suffers from this. 66% of the population, nomophobia. For 18 to 24-year-olds, 77% would be diagnosed of nomophobia. That is actually a fear, anxiety from being away from our phones. It's real. The struggle is real. It's real. Listen to some of these statistics. 58% of people don't go one waking hour without checking their phones. 58% can't go 60 minutes without checking their phone. Wow. 59% check email as it comes in and 89% check it daily on vacation. It's called vacation. Take a break. I love it when I, when I figured out how to do one of those email things, where people send you an email and they're like, I'm sorry, I'm out of the office between this time and this time, you know? And it's like, there you go. I'll get back to you whenever I return. It just made me feel really good inside. So 59% check email as it comes in. 89% check it daily on vacation. Here it is, ready for teenagers. 80% of teenagers sleep with their phones in the bed. In the bed, 80%. And the last startling number here is this. 84% of people believe they couldn't go one day without their phone. And you know what? If I'm honest, I don't think I could. My wife's laughing. She's like, there's no way you could. There's no way. 84% of people believe they couldn't go one day without their phone. Let's be honest when we're talking about technology and being tethered by it. For many of us, checking our phone is the very last thing that we do when we go to bed at night and it's the very first thing that we do when we wake up in the morning. Just so tied to it. So absolutely tied to it. Check Instagram right in the middle of a date to see what other people are posting. Or we post statuses while we're on the pot. Clean it up for church talk, you know. Texting while driving, we actually are putting other people's lives at risk. actually putting other people's lives at risk because of the addiction so tethered to technology all of us acknowledge don't we when we really think about it, all of us acknowledge our bodies need rest don't they and so we need to get a certain amount of sleep every night but you know what else the bible talks about more than just our bodies need rest our souls need rest our souls need rest And you can be laying in bed at night on your phone, your body's resting, but your soul is not at rest. It's not at rest. And so that's why I think it's important in this last message for us to talk about taking a chill pill. Taking a chill pill, for many of us, we need to take a chill pill, find rest for our souls, learn how to disconnect. See, here's the thing. God has a special rest in Christ Jesus. God has a special rest for those who are in Christ Jesus. God wants you and I to experience real rest. Not only physical rest, but rest for our souls. Rest for our spirits as well. Look at what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter four, verses nine through 11. It says, so there is a special rest Waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. There's a time where God just wants us to take a chill pill and rest and allow our souls to be replenished and disconnect. It goes on and says, so let us do our best to enter that rest. And that's what I hope to really challenge you with as I'm being challenged to do our best to enter the rest that God has for us so that we're not always being stimulated and the adrenaline's pumping and the RPMs by everything that we're seeing and got to experience the next thing and what's going on. And and if I keep scrolling down, what am I going to see? But just learn to rest. Learn to rest. I love this quote that I found by uh, St. Augustine. He put it this way. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our soul is restless until it finds rest in you. It's not, we're not going to find rest on our news feed. We're not going to find rest in the computer or the TV. You could just go on and on and on. The place that our soul finds rest is in God and God alone. Again, none of these things are bad, none of these things are evil, none of these things are wrong, but if we're trying to replace and fill that part of our lives that only God can fill with social media and likes and favorites and posts and all those things, we're never going to find rest. And St. Augustine, he only wrote that, you know, like, I don't know, 1,800 years ago, something like that. There's nothing new under the sun. We're calling this hashtag struggles. But the fact about matters, every one of these issues that we've looked at in this series, including this one, it's been around since the human condition. And God wants you and God wants me to experience real rest for our souls. In fact, Jesus put it this way, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. See, following Jesus is supposed to give us rest, not take our rest from us. He says, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul as we were talking about you know, last week the closer we get to Jesus the less we care about ourselves and the more we care about him and others and the closer that we grow in our relationship with Christ we should be finding more and more peace not anxiety more and more rest that's what he promised that's what he promised if we would come to him if we come to him so real simple outline in the time remaining. How do we find rest? How are we going to do it? How can we really find rest for our souls that, that Jesus promised? Here, here's the first thing. Be still. We've got to learn to be still. In Psalm 46, verse 10, it puts it this way. Be still and know that I am God. That, that's powerful when you think about it. That the way that that God reveals himself and he says through the psalmist here in Psalm 46, he goes, the way that you really know who I am is not through a flurry of ongoing exhausting activity. It's being still. Just being still before God. And that's how we know that he really is who he said he is. Never been around a child who just can't be still. <laughs> That's exhausting, isn't it? Do you know what? Many of us as adults can't be still. It, it's hard to just sit and listen to a message like this because we know what. As soon as we go, we just we just try to be still for a minute. You know what happens? <laughs> and I'm not that bad of a preacher. Maybe bad, but not that bad. Because what we're exhausted and we have to to learn to be still, to just sit down and be still and take a chill pill. Look at what Psalm 131 verse two says. But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. I've, I've quieted my soul. The whole picture here—not to go too deep in it—but a, but a wean child is one that, that doesn't have to be connected any longer to mama. And, and, and the picture here is: what is it that we feel like we can't live without? But we've learned to wean ourselves without—wean ourselves away from it. I, I think for some of us, we need to wean ourselves from this. I've stilled and quieted my soul. When's the last time that you stilled and quieted your soul? That's that's my responsibility. My soul within me is peace. Be still and know that I'm God. I've stilled and quieted my soul. I, I think we need to learn how to do that. We need to practice that on a regular basis. No no music, no screams, just taking a little bit of time each day. Maybe just even five minutes to learn to be That was great, 25 seconds. Give yourself a hand right there. <laughs> See, isn't that hard? Isn't that hard, really? It's just hard to just turn off the noise. Just, just five minutes. What, how would your life look different if every day you just quieted your soul for five minutes? It, it's one of the things that I've learned on Thursdays. I go home. And I've got my message done and I have my meetings done and all this stuff. And I go upstairs and I just quiet my soul. Find time on Sunday mornings. I just know I can't do this unless I quiet my soul. Unless I just find some space. To just be still in, in God's presence. Not, not thinking, not, not praying even. God, I do this, do that. Not any of that stuff. Just quieting my soul. Be still and know that I am God. We need to learn how to feel comfortable in the awkward silence It's unsettling, really, that, that soul stillness. But it's amazing how much five minutes of that can just revive and refresh us. God, I'm not asking for anything. I'm not, I'm not even necessarily you know, like thinking about anything. I, I'm just gonna be still in your presence, and I wanna learn, I wanna know that you're God. And you know, part of it is this, why this is so counterintuitive, and how we learn, I think, that he is God, is because many of us, we feel like there's so much to be done, I can't be still for five minutes. But if we are still for five minutes, what that does is, God, I'm trusting you, that you're in charge, that you're the one that can do this, that, that, that you're the one that I look to for guidance and direction. And so I still and I quiet my soul within me. I I know there's bills to be paid and there's yard work to be done and there's dinner to make and diapers to change and because there's all that, I'm gonna take five minutes and quiet my soul. Be refreshed in your presence. You know, even though someone might have posted something on Facebook, I'm gonna quiet my soul. E- e- even though my phone's going, z- 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 I'm going to quiet and still my soul. See, here's the thing if we don't have time to be still, we need to be still even more. The more we feel like I don't have time to do that, the more we need it. He restores our soul when we quiet it. And so we need to to learn to be still. And the second thing is this, need to make a plan. I'm all about planning. (laughs) I think planning is really, really important. In fact, the Bible says a lot about someone who doesn't plan, who doesn't make plans, and it's never a good thing. Never. And so we, we need to make a plan Look at what the Bible says. Proverbs, just one example. Proverbs 13, 16. A wise man thinks ahead, a fool doesn't, and even brags about it. A person who doesn't make a plan, God said it, not me, is a fool. Is a fool. We need to make a plan. God directs our steps, but we need to make a plan. And so the wise think ahead. I, I'm going to think ahead and plan a strategy. I'm all about strategy. I guess it's the coach in me. Strategize. Make a plan on how we're going to quiet our soul. And, and, and having been a football coach, I always think not just, not just offense, but I think defense as well. And, and a good, good defense is just as important as a good offense. And so let me give you, and these are just some suggestions let me give you some defensive suggestions for a defensive plan that, that you may look like, you know, I'm going st- to execute this. This is going to be my game plan. Let's think of a defensive game plan for quieting and stilling our souls right now. First of all, no phone during meals. Just decide as a family, if mom and dad, no phones during meals. Because how long does it actually take you to eat? 15 minutes? 20 at the most? And in 20 minutes. So, so no phones at mealtime. How about this one? Uh, uh, no phones. Uh, really, uh, that's supposed to be community groups. No, no phones at community groups. Or after 10 o'clock, set yourself a curfew for technology. After 10 o'clock, I'm not looking at my phone anymore. If it's an emergency, they'll get a hold of me. You know, I can at least just push the button. If it's an emergency, I'll see that someone had called. But but I'm not gonna go opening up apps and, and surfing and and uh, Facebook and going through feed and all that stuff. Set yourself a curfew. How about this one? Put it on do not disturb or night settings. That's do not disturb. I, I I learned that on the phone. I was like, this is the most fantastic thing in the world. That that my phone actually will not ring its program, it will not ring between 10:30 and 7 a.m. doesn't do it. I do actually have my family, my kids, my wife, they call me, that, that ringer comes through. My phone will ring them, but no one else can get a hold of me. It will not ring between those times. Set on do not disturb, or night setting, or airplane mode. Isn't it amazing? You can just wake up, take it off of airplane mode, and all those messages are gonna come in anyway. <laughs> it's just they come in when you want them to come in. Leave the phone with an assistant. If you have an assistant, or if you have a spouse, <laughs> You know, just say, take this away from me for a minute. Just just take this. And one of the things, I'm in meetings a lot, you know, just planning and, and with people and, and most of my week, just meetings, meetings, meetings. But when it comes to study time, I have to completely disconnect. Because I, I have to carve out time to, for my soul to be still and quiet and to hear and to listen and to pray. And so that's not a time when just having my phone, <laughs> and so, you know, maybe you need to leave it behind. No social media on vacation. What if you took a vacation without social media, a vacation from social media, just to take a break? You can upload those photos some other time when you get back. Or how about this? Take a month-long break from social media just take a month and listen if you do this let me just encourage you don't tell everyone you're doing it i'm going to be fasting from social media for the next month and while you miss me just make sure you think about how wonderful i am don't do that one of the things about fasting in the bible from food is no one's supposed to know you're doing it Jesus made a big deal about that. You're supposed to do it in secret, not to be seen by men. I think if we do it even on social media, we shouldn't be broadcasting it. It defeats kind of the purpose. And so these are some defensive things that you can do in terms of planning and strategizing. Here's some offensive things. Not offensive, but on the offense, okay? What if we instead, we looked at our technology as a great tool that's gonna help me spiritually? So instead of seeing what other people are doing, what if I decided I'm going to maximize and make the two apps the most used on my phone, first of all, version, the Bible app. That I'm going to use it for daily Bible reading. That before I read anyone's status, I'm going to read God's Word every single morning. And I'm going to let His Word be the, the waking thoughts in my mind instead of someone else's. And then the second app I'm going to use the most is that doggone Valley Christian Church app. That's going to be number one and number two right there. And I'm going to go through, what about this? Instead of just filling in the blanks in one or out the other, what if I actually reviewed those notes during the week? How much more would it stay with me? How much more would my, my soul be still and quieted? So using technology, daily Bible reading, or how about just, again, five minutes of solitude a day. Let's do this together. How about we do this? We're a team, right? We're talking defense, we're talking offense. Let's do this together, all right, as a team. Let's just say, you know, let's do this five minutes a day, solitude. Who's with me? Who's saying, all right, I'm going to do that? Let's just start doing that five minutes a day, just solitude. And you know, for some of us, I remember the first time I tried this, I actually had it on a timer because it was, it, was, it was the longest five minutes of my life, and I'm looking at it, I'm like four minutes and 49 seconds, four minutes and 50 seconds, just five minutes. No, not prayer, not music, just five minutes of quieting our soul and just being still in God's presence, not asking not expecting, just being still. What about offense, uh, being on the offense as well? What about just really a consistent time of prayer? Consistently finding a time every day. This is my time of prayer. This is the time of day that I do it. This is the place that I do it. This is the amount of time that I do it for. It's another great way to quiet our souls and then of course worship as well and worship is an important part of our soul health of learning to be still and and, and I always think it's so important that we don't ever do anything in public that we don't do in private when no one is watching when no one sees us and so I want to make a private practice of when no one else is around no one can hear no one can see that I'm going to sing to God. That I'm going to worship Him. That I'm going to raise my hands. That, that maybe I'm going to even kneel before Him. And, and it's not, so no one could even possibly even see me. But He does. Because it's not for anyone to see me. But Him and Him alone. Daily, regular time of worship. What about this? And this, this really speaks to me a lot, and maybe it does to you. Getting outside and, and watching a sunset. And here's, don't take a picture of it either. <laughs> Just enjoy it and be in the moment. Because God did it for you. Some things are not meant to be shared. Some things are meant to be cherished in the moment. Here's the last one, and I know this sounds radical. What about making time to meet with someone face-to-face? Face-to-face. So that you can actually, like, look in their eyes. And then what is it on on, uh, phones and stuff like that? They call it the retina... Whatever it is, the, the, what is it? I don't know. Retina scan thing, you know. What about sitting across the table and actually looking in someone's retinas? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Just face to face. Just, you know, you know what? I could send an email, but instead, let's grab a cup of coffee. I I could shoot you a text and let you know I'm praying for you as we've talked about before. But what about let's get together, I want to pray with you. Face to face. Face to face. I, I think this is the right way to conclude this series is just really looking at this whole idea of learning to be still, of taking a chill pill. Remember, just a quick review, week one, we we talked about the more we compare, the more discontent we become when we're comparing ourselves with what we see other people doing. Week two, we're not who we are because who follows us. We are who we are because we follow Jesus. That's what gives us our significance, because we follow him. Week three, the more filtered our lives become, the more difficult it is to really be authentic. And Jesus and Jesus alone can take away the mask when we find our significance in Him. And He's our focus. And then last week, compassion demands action. Caring is not liking a post, but it's loving a person. And then the fifth week in this series, social media is a great servant, but it's a terrible master, and I will not be mastered by anything. And so as we conclude this series right now, there's one other verse that I want to look at. And this is a beautiful verse, and I'll have to say this. I don't remember, I've read the Bible through a few times, I don't remember this verse until really studying on this subject. And it was like, all of a sudden, I'm sure it's happened to you before, it's like it just jumped off the page at me. And I think it's so appropriate for this series of hashtag struggles. And it's in Jeremiah chapter six, verse 16. Look at what it says here. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. See, it's all about the decisions we make how we're going to use social media. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. What are the ancient paths? Things like solitude. Things like silence. Things like prayer. Things like face to face. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And then look what it says. And you'll find rest for your souls. See, there's really nothing new under the sun. And God knows the things that we need the most are the things that we as human beings have always needed the most. It's Him. It's one another. It's contact. Eye contact. It's a hand on the shoulder that says you're not alone. It is silence of God, there's so much going on. That's why I'm just going to stop, and I'm going to be silent in your presence. And I want to know that you're God, that you can handle this, and I don't have to be so worried and concerned about it. Isn't this beautiful? <laughs> one more time. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. We've got to take the step. We've got to take the action and you will find rest for your souls. I don't know about you, but I know I could use some rest for my soul. And I want to walk in the good way. The ancient paths. The well-worn paths that God knows I need to walk on and you need to walk on the most. Would you bow your heads with me right now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this series and, and Lord, we thank you for, for Pastor Craig Groeschel that, that just wrote that, such an inspirational book, hashtag struggles, and making that available to any and every church that wanted it. And, and Lord, I've, I've been blessed. We've been blessed as a church family. And Father, we need your help, but because far too many of us, Lord, you know we're we are weary and we are worn out, and we need to find rest for our souls. So help us, Lord, not just to know but Lord, to do, to to find those ancient paths of of Bible reading and solitude and prayer and worship and, and just reverencing and glorying in the creation of even a sunset. And Lord, face-to-face communication, real relationship. Lord, help us to walk in those paths that we would find rest for our souls. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.